Hello, and welcome to A Nerdy Book Club. My name is Polly. This week we're going to be talking about the second half of Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood. Just a warning, this podcast is marked explicit, meaning I sometimes swear or talk about sensitive subjects. You can check the show notes for any content warnings. Also, you can check us out on social media by going to our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com. We have all of our social media linked there because we are a Cauldron Cakes and Wine podcast. Also, there are spoilers ahead. I will be talking about Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood, but I could also be talking about Akatar at times. When I get talking about Sarah J. Mass, I tend to talk about her body of work as a whole with, like, in regards to the ones that I've read. I have not read Throne of Glass, though, so you are safe on that front. Okay, guys, I'm not gonna blah, 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 blah too much. I'm just... I want to get into this. Get in, get out. I am... I have a bunch of stuff that I have to do tomorrow. I need to go down and visit my parents, take a bus down to see them. I am painting my sister's nursery. I have a bunch of shit I need to do before I go to camp, which is quickly, quickly approaching. So I am just, you know, sitting in a messy apartment, a little bit overwhelmed about life, but I am here. I'm going to record. I maybe didn't plan out my recording schedule that well. I mean, by the time you read this, I will be at camp, so it won't matter anymore. Um, But as of right now, I kind of didn't anticipate how many things I would have to do, which is silly because like this is my eighth year going to camp, so I really should know better. Anyways, we are going to get the ball rolling. Welcome back. We are talking about the second half of the first Crescent City book, and right away we have another mention of toes. Bryce is showering and he tells her to make sure that she cleans between her toes. So I'm thinking, you know, we are, we like, Hunt is a foot fetish guy. I'm, I'm calling it now, okay? It doesn't happen in this book, but I'm calling it. They go to the river to talk to um, Therion. Um, He is a friend of Hunt's. He is a mer person. I found this part really cool because I really like uh, mermaids, sirens, mer people, anything to do with that. And I really like creepy ones. So this was kind of cool. The mer can shift um, into human bodies for a time. Therian is going to look around, ask around, and see if he knows, anybody knows anything about these murders. Hunt and Bryce, they go to the wolf den to ask Sabine some questions. This was a very bad idea. It was a very difficult time for Bryce to go there. The wolves are very mad at her because she was having sex with another man the night that Connor was dying, which, you know, like, sure. Sure, they said that they were going to go on a date together, but, you know, that was it. I don't know. They weren't dating. They weren't exclusive. They hadn't even gone on a date yet. It's kind of shit, but no, it's not shitty enough for them to treat her this horribly or to tell her that she couldn't come to, like, her best friend's funeral. I'm sorry, it's just not enough. I I don't, this is too far. Sabine lies about Danica being at the temple. At this point, they are pretty sure that Sabine is guilty. Hunt goes out with some angels for some drinks, and Bryce says that she's going to stay in, but she ends up leaving. He had someone else watching her, so he ends up going to find her because he gets a phone call saying that she left. 
I don't know, man. It's a bit annoying that she can't go, like, anywhere without this man or without someone. I, it's, it's annoying. Like, she can't even go for a walk alone. Like, what was she doing before they came around? You know? It's just kind of stupid. Like, she's always got Hunt, like, looming around her as well as Ruin. And it's like, oh my god. They don't, you just don't always need a, like, hulking man to be, like, watching you and protecting you. In fact, I would prefer to have no men around me. They make me feel more unsafe. But whatever. This is Sarah J. Mass's world and we are all just living in it. So they end up getting a little bit flirty and then a demon attacks him. And you know, you know what? Sure. Because this is Sarah J. Mouse's world, she clearly does need people watching her because demons will attack you if you go on a walk. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, also I just have to say that I think Hunt's powers are actually really cool. He's got like lightning powers and I really liked that. Hunt manages to kill the demon, but its venom um, nullifies his powers. Micah shows up and destroys the body of the demon. They tell him their suspicions about Sabine, and he says that they need to get concrete evidence. Bryce and Hunt uh, return to Bryce's apartment, where they are on the roof and they almost kiss, but Sabine comes in. Sabine comes in with a gun, and then Hunt has his gun on her. Bryce tells Sabine that she thinks that she killed Danica, and Sabine says she didn't, and that Danica was the one who had stole the horn from the temple. Sabine says that she didn't kill her daughter, but if they jeopardize her daughter's legacy, she will kill Bryce. Therian sends a picture of a body that was in, it was basically dumped into the river. It has similar bites, um, like the ones from the demon, but Bryce says that it isn't the demon that killed Danica. Danica didn't look like this. They don't know any demon that could do this. Bryce summons a demon named uh, Adis, and he is the prince of the... the I don't know. I wrote it in the, my notes wrong. I'm so sorry, guys. It's like a... it's a typo. <laughs> She met him before when she was 13 and he was a cat. She asks him what killed Danica and who has been summoning the demons and he says that they need to redo their tests so they do that and they find out that the one of the tests was not done because of the Autumn King. Also, Adis tells Bryce to make the drop and then come find him when she's done. Adis is an interesting character and I really wish that we got to see more of him. I was really, really intrigued by him, and I think we're going to get more in the next book because, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Bryce goes to see her father, but they won't let her in. She goes to a bar to go and drink, and she ends up, you know, being rather mean to hunt, but she comes home, and she makes him some food, and then they make up. She tells Hunt that he can live in the spare room after the case is done. Adis visits her in cat form and uh, knows who her father is and tells her again to make the drop. Listen, I am not going to lie. In the few moments that we saw Adis, I just found him to be so much more interesting than Hunt. I kind of liked the idea of Bryce being with this like king demon who visits her in cat form. That would be so cool. I don't know. I don't know. 
I just, I think that there's potential there. Obviously, we're not going to get that, so it's okay, but I hope we get to see more of his character in general. They go to run tests on Danica's things, then Hunt gets a call from Micah telling him to come into his office. Hunt has to go and kill some people for Micah, and then he returns to uh, Bryce's apartment covered in blood. She was up and she was worried about him. Then she basically showers um, him and helps him get all the blood off, and then she sleeps in bed next to him. I was totally fine with like her helping him bathe, all of that. I actually, you know, there is something really beautiful about people helping each other when they're too unwell to help themselves. I think it's a really nice act of service to people you care about. I also think there is a really good balance between Bryce and Hunt. He helps her when she is unwell and, you know, obviously this is her helping him. But she pushed me too far. She did. Because when they're in bed, he puts his head on her lap and she, like, and the book says she thinks it's like a child laying his head on his mother's lap. What the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with straight people? We need to stop infantilizing grown men. You, like, you're really going to have her bathe him, put his clothing on him, and then say that right after? Like, fuck this. Oh my god. This this is why women think they need to take care of men, and this is why we get very little in return from them, because they they think we are their mothers. Look, I, I really, I didn't care about the bathing thing. I really didn't. It's just the, the combination of the two. You can't combine a moment like that with a line like this and it not be too much for me. It's actually fucked up. The screening that they did picked up drugs on Danica's clothing. It's called Synth and it um, has salt in it that can summon a demon. Hunt and Bryce call Bryce's parents. Hunt is thinking about how he is with Bryce and, you know, how he won't be able to do this after he goes back to, you know, after the investigation is over and he's like upset about that. At this point, there was still no smut and I'm not gonna lie, like I'm kind of glad that Sarah J Mass gave, gave us a book for like her slowborn girlies. Like this was really satisfying to me. <laughs> Hunt tells Bryce's mom about her leg and she says that she wants to make an appointment with a med witch, but Bryce does not want to get it looked at. She doesn't want to get it fixed because once she gets that fixed, then that will be like the last thing that ties her to that night with Danica. And then it's just going to feel like a fucked up dream, which that's really real. That makes sense. By this point in the book, I, I did feel like it was dragging a bit. I don't really think that you know, this book needed to be this long. Honestly, I was expecting some like wild world building war to wage between these pages, but instead it's just this weird murder mystery with pacing issues. I'm not saying I wasn't having fun reading it, but it is a bit odd to me and I was just, you know, I was trying really hard to stay open-minded about it, but it, it was weird. They go down to the meat market and they try to see if they can figure out who is selling synth. They are told to go and check out the river, so they call Therian, who reveals that Danica was dealing synth the day that she died. Seems like Danica was up to, like, all kinds of things that Bryce had, like, no clue about, and 
like never really realized she was doing. We learn more about synth. It's a synthetic magic. It makes humans the strength of the veneer. Bryce's friend Fury finally takes Bryce's call and tells her all about the drug and says that Danica didn't want Bryce to learn about it because she was worried she might start taking it. Bryce had pretty much taken every other kind of drug that she knew about and basically she tells Bryce to stay away from it and says that, you know, they should go for a meal sometime. I was wondering, like, if Fury's going to play a much bigger role later on because we just didn't get a lot from her in this book and it's very odd to just have this character that is just kind of so haphazardly put into the story. Rune's medwitch wants venom so that she can try to create um, an antidote to synth. It is Danica's birthday and she always used to eat chocolate croissants on her birthday. So basically, uh, Bryce goes and gets a bunch of chocolate croissants to celebrate this, but someone writes trash on top of one of them. And Hunt knows it was um, Amelie, so he goes and finds her and he pins her to a wall and tells her to leave Bryce alone forever um and then he goes off bryce is worried that he's going to get in trouble for this honestly it's a little bit fucked up right like obviously it's fucked up for her to write trash on top of a like the the act of you know bryce basically is like memorializing her dead friend and so to write trash on top of one of those things is just truly cruel i get it if the wolves don't like bryce you know but that is a truly cruel thing to do. However, this is also not a great way for Hunt to act, you know? So here we are. <laughs> the next chapter is very weird. Bryce goes to Rune's Medwitch and she realizes that she can use the venom that is trapped inside of her scar to potentially make an antidote for synth. During the procedure, Hunt comforts her, but this is where it gets really weird. They are just chilling, having like a really intimate conversation right in front of the medwitch. He basically is like, he cares about her and he knows um, that she, you know, he was like, I was there the night that Danica died. They like lightly kiss each other all while the medwitch is like digging a worm right out of Bryce's leg. It's a truly like cursed and unhinged chapter. Micah calls Bryce and Hunt into his office. Sabine is there and she wants him to be punished for what he had done to Amelie in the bar. She says that she wants him killed, but Micah says that um, he will just have the living death performed on him. This is where they cut off an angel's wings and they will grow back in several weeks, but it is extremely painful. This is really sad and it was hard to read. I felt really, really bad for him. Obviously, I don't like Micah, but once Sabine and Amelie are gone, he does tell them that, you know, it was either this or actual death. So it does seem that he, in this instant, does go easy on him. Look, I'm not saying like this was easy. It should have never happened. But if it's between this and death, obviously this is the better option. Obviously, I don't like Micah. We're going to get more into his character. But like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know he did go easy on him. He could have killed him. We also learn that Danica has gone to meet the Underking after Danica's death. She traded her own place in the Bone Quarter in case 
uh, Danica was denied access. It was a bit confusing to me if this means that, you know, she can't ever pass into the afterlife at all, or if this means that only if Danica was denied access, then she wouldn't have a place. Like, is she allowed to go there? Like, if, if Danica was going to go into the bone quarter no matter what, then why should Bryce's place be gone? You know what I mean? I, I don't know if that makes much sense, but to me that there is a difference and it was unclear. Bryce gets into one of Danica's work accounts and she finds a file that is, it's labeled with Bryce's name and she finds a clue that is hidden in the letter L on her jacket where a flash drive is hidden. And so basically they're like, oh shit, like, what is on this video? And there are videos of the synth trials. There is a human woman who's being injected with synth and she's getting like a bunch of powers and then they watch as the woman rips them to pieces. Bryce and Hunt kiss and then um, he like fingers her because... <laughs> causing him to get like injuries on his back and they have to stop. Bryce goes to her old apartment to see if she can find some clues, um, but she finds that it was burnt down and then she gets a text from Therian saying that um, there's a synth deal happening in the river, which I want to understand how Therian has a cell phone like underwater. Does he have it with him or does he like stash it on land somewhere? questions. I have questions, guys. She watches as the Viper Queen is selling synth to somebody and then she realizes that it's Hunt. And I was like, uh, my initial thoughts were like, obviously there's something more going on that we don't know about. He obviously isn't just up to some nefarious shit set, like buying drugs. And I was really frustrated because I was like, is this just the miscommunication? miscommunication trope I really hate when readers realize something that is just very clear um, but the characters don't seem to it just bothers me so much because it makes me feel like the characters are stupid or something like why is it that we can see something that's so obvious but they can't like there's nothing logically going on inside their brain to tell them that this pos this thing couldn't be happening anyways I didn't know if this fully was a miscommunication, but it was kind of reading that way and it really bothered me. Bryce goes to confront him and Micah appears and it seems that the Viper Queen had set them up. Basically, there was Hunt and then two other angels and they wanted to get the synths so that they could make themselves powerful and basically overthrow the archangels who are their slave masters. She finds out that Hunt knew about the drug for days and didn't tell her. Micah says that Danica was selling the drug. Hunt says that, you know, she sold it and was addicted to it. She had killed the pack of, um, the, the pack of wolves while she was high on it and then accidentally summoned a demon. Fury shows up holding a gun to, um, Hunt's head and Bryce says that she never wants to see him again. It was starting, like, I was starting to question at this point if this really was a miscommunication thing. It really just, it didn't make sense to me. It's, I felt like I was like, there's still something missing to this moment. This didn't seem to add up. If, you know, I was like, if this is the case, then it seems like a weird writing choice, especially considering half of this book is from Hunt's perspective. So it's strange that, you know, he has been thinking these things and knowing these things, but they're completely omitted from his perspective and from, 
from the book up until this moment. We learn that the other two who had been working with Hunt, um, they've been killed. One was crucified and killed slowly, and then the other one basically was ripped from her body and had her essence put into a glass box, and then they're going to dump her into the sea until she goes insane. They hadn't done anything to Hunt yet, but, you know, Fury says that the plan will probably be something worse. Ruin asks what could be worse than that, and, you know, Fury tells him, like, there's many things. Now we are going to go into part four, the ravine. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, I was confused by this synth deal because I really, really thought it was a misunderstanding of some kind. I really didn't understand why Hunt would go through with this and think that it was a good idea. It just seemed like such a long shot to get the synth and then to be able to kill the archangels. How, like, I just want to know how many they would have been able to actually kill, you know? I just, I don't know. It just seemed like a really stupid plan, um, which is why I don't understand why he risked so much for this stupid plan. You know, I had to listen to Hunt's chapter explaining this twice to let it sink in, and it was, like, I didn't understand what was going on, and it just still, it still seems off to me even now. I feel like when I read it, the explanation was, like, immediately leaving my brain, like, there was no substance to it. Basically, he says that he'd been planning this um, since he learned what Synth could do, and he went to go to the Viper Queen on his own. They were going to take it and kill some of the Archangels at the summit. It had not occurred to him that the Viper Queen um, might rat them out. He says that he was trying to stop it. He was going um, onto the barge to do something, but then he was going to stop it, and he doesn't say what. I... Then he says that Micah knows that he tried to stop the deal. This, I'm sorry, it's just a really weird writing choice to me. I don't get it. What was the point of showing us into Hunt's perspective for a majority of this book if we, the reader, have no clue that he's actually doing and thinking about this the entire time? I don't know, like, this really bothers me, and I don't know if you go back and read it again if maybe you pick up on more, but I didn't pick up on any of this coming, so to me, that's just stupid. It doesn't bother me that he did it. It bothers me that it was done in this really weird way that feels out of the blue and not like in a wow, that was a good twist kind of way. I get that he doesn't like the system and he wants to rebel against it. And I understand, I completely understand the motivation behind this moment. I also get that being with Bryce maybe made him realize, you know, how much was at stake and how much he wanted freedom and, you know, how much was being taken away from him. It's just that you can't show us inside someone's perspective for an entire book and then randomly throw a thing like this in with, like, no clues, um, you know, that, like, that this was being planned or even thought about. It just feels like a bad writing choice, and I understand that she wanted to shock the viewer, but I think that she could have done a bit more of like a few comments or like she is very clever. Her writing is very clever normally. So I feel like she could have done more to show us that, you know, this was coming, but in like a very like subtle way, I don't know. She could have just written more things into his internal dialogue to like hint that this was coming. 
And I think that's the main problem that I have with it. Bryce's father, the Autumn King, comes to visit her and tells her that she needs to keep looking for the horn. He also tells her that she is more like him than she realizes. Hunt gets a visit from San uh, Sandriel. He learns that she now owns him. Micah has traded him to her. We see a scene between Rune and Bryce, and he invites her around to his place for a party. Rune asks why she keeps pushing him away. Um, it can't just be the fight that they got into. It has to be something bigger than that. And she says that it's because he was uh, her best friend before Danica. Basically, Bryce has a lot of fear of abandonment, so she's kind of worried of what it means to um, have a brother and be close with the brother and, you know, how much he has the ability to crush her if that doesn't go well. And I think that that's a really, re like, a really real feeling for a lot of people who have abandonment issues, so I felt like that was, I liked that and it added more layers to Bryce's character for me. Fury is waiting for Bryce when she gets home, and she says that uh, Micah sold Hunt to Sandriel, and Bryce decides that she is going to figure out a way to get him out of it, and she doesn't want to be with him yet, um, or really at this point she's like at all, but, you know, she wants to save him from this. Look, I'm not gonna lie, this is, this is lazy writing. Hunt, you know, betrays her, and... The motivation behind it makes sense, but how it plays out, it's not a well-written twist. And now, just a few days later, literally a few pages later, you know, she decides to save him when... why? Like, there's no reason. She she hasn't changed her mind at all. And look, I like, I like this book. It has been fun to read, but it's just, it's not shaping up to be one of my favorite Sarah J. Mass books. I just... Yeah, like I said, it's just a bit much to me that she just, out of the blue, she hasn't even really learned any new information. I don't even think she knows that, you know, um, Hunt wasn't even, like, going through with the deal at the moment that she saw him. You know, he basically is like, oh, I, I was going to stop it. But I don't even think she learned that yet. So she just literally is like, mm, okay, fine. Well, now, now I'm going to try and get him out of this. <laughs> okay, but we're moving on. Bryce says that she will buy Hunt from Sandriel for uh, 97 million gold marks. She asks to, basically, she gets a check from Jessica for it, and she also offers an amulet that is very valuable. She is refused, so she then tries to um, say that she should take her instead. <laughs> That's right. She's willing to trade her freedom for Hunt's. Sandriel reveals that Bryce is actually Ruin's sister, not his cousin, and Rune claims uh, his sister and takes her away before Sandriel can accept the deal. See, the, <laughs> the motivation here doesn't make sense again. It just doesn't. For her to trade the money, that makes sense to me. But for her to trade herself and her freedom for this man that she thinks, like, really betrayed her trust and lied to her, it's a bit much for me. I don't know, like, I, I hope that book two gets a bit better than this. I don't know. Bryce is sitting by the river and then is attacked by a demon. 
Bryce is saved from the demon by Rune and his friends, and she tells Rune that he is dead to her, and she deletes his number from her phone. I don't know. Like, trading herself to Sandriel would have been an extremely stupid thing, and I think later she'd probably be thankful that this didn't happen. So... <laughs> I don't know, man. These two must be mates, right? Like, because this is, this is some illogical, like, stupid shit that, like, only mates would do. <laughs> like, this is like Farah and Resand and their stupid death bargain, right? Like, come on. Okay. Hunt is attending the summit and he realizes that Hippra- Hip- Oh my god, I don't. Hypraxia? <laughs> okay. Hypraxia, she is the med witch um, that has been helping them. She's the one that Ruin went to to speak um, about potentially fixing the horn. And she's also the one who got the stuff out of Bryce's leg. Um, but we learn that she is also somebody else. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Basically, she is the queen of the Valbaran witches. Uh, we also have Rune speaking to Hunt telepathically a little bit. Bryce has looked into the laws and there's nothing that she can do to get Hunt out of being enslaved to Sandriel. During the summit, we see the Myrrh come and argue against basically building this new canal. They say it's going to destroy their fishing area. Hypraxia, she stands up for them. Other than that, um, apparently this event is very boring. Micah shows up at Bryce's work and he says that these books are from the Great Library of Pathos. These are books that are banned. Um, over at the summit, they're all of a sudden watching this video screen and it is Micah and Bryce's conversation beginning to show on the screens. Micah says that Bryce needs to give him Luna's horn. Micah goes on a really long villain's monologue to explain that Danica made Bryce into the horn, uh, something to do with the tattoo on Bryce's back. Micah admits that um, he is the one that killed Danica in the pack. He dumped synth into the streets, not Danica. Micah wants the horn so that he can basically open a portal to another um, place so he can get an army to finish off the humans, which I'm sorry, but like these human rebels are causing such a big problem for you. That's embarrassing. You have pa magic powers. It's embarrassing. Guys, okay, get your shit together. I, okay, also this portal, like I'm, I want, I have questions about the portals. Are we gonna see the Akatar crew one time through a portal? I just, I, I, I really hope so. Bryce um, has been leading him with questions, making sure that she gets a full confession out of him. I fucking hate the villain monologue. It is the worst way to find out this kind of stuff. People don't just monologue everything out like this. They just do shady things with no explanation. He also, he's completely aware that he is on camera talking to the entire summit. So it's like, why is he admitting all of this shit in front of all of them? Questionable. Then Micah injects her with synth, um, and he's basically using it to use the horn to be able to open a portal. 
Bryce attempts to fight back. Micah grabs her pet chimera and he throws him into a tank that has like this really nasty water demon in it. Um, a nox, I think is what it's called. Bryce knows that the chimera can't swim, so um, Bryce and Lahaba they manage to get Michael locked into a bathroom and then Bryce grabs a knife and jumps into the, the, the tank after her pet. She gets him out and manages to um, get out as well. Lahaba wants her to escape, but Bryce tells her that she's free. Lahaba was basically a slave as well, but um, basically Bryce traded with Jessica for her freedom, and she says that she was waiting to throw her a party to tell her so that she could be surprised by it. Mohaba says that she knew she was free. She peeked into Bryce's desk and saw the papers. And then, oh, this is really, really sad. Lahaba tells her, um, let the world know that my first act of freedom was to help my friends. Listen, I cried. I cried like a lot. Lahaba uses her powers to slash the gas glass on the tank, releasing all of the water. As she does this, uh, she says her friends are with her and that she's not afraid. Hunt manages to put his hand over his heart as a salute to her. Um, and as it's happening, other people at the summit start to do this. The book says, one by one, the angels in the 33rd rose to their feet, then Ruin and his friends, and they too put their hands on their heart as the smallest of their house pushed and pushed against the glass. Like, can she just not make me cry, like, for a bit, you know? <laughs> Bryce grabs the gun from Jessica's office and she shoots Micah and then she drinks something from out of the safe and it turns out that this was a bottle of the antidote from um, Hypraxia. She pulls out Danica's sword and kills him. Then Bryce burns Micah's body. At the summit, Hunt and Ruin are, you know, they're worried that they are going to kill Bryce for what she's done because, you know, <laughs> she just killed an archangel. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's not looking good for her. He had accidentally opened a portal to hell, unleashing demons onto the city. So Bryce goes and runs into the city. Hypraxia orders the witches to head into the city to help. Bryce is running through the streets and she's going to the meadows, a place where all of the humans are. It's a place where the people are the most defenseless and basically where no one will go to even bother helping them. Hunt asks for um, Isaiah's phone and he calls the Viper Queen and says that she owes him a favor. Bryce is on the phone with the wolf pack and she asks Sabine for backup and he's, she says no, the wolves disobey her and they go to help Bryce because there are defenseless children where she is and the people that they are guarding, they're already safe and they don't even really need help. I will say I was enjoying this part. I don't know if this is, you know, a fair comparison, but this made me feel like a similar thing to watching something like Buffy. It kind of reminded me of like the Hellmouth, you know, like just all hell breaking loose. Also, Sarah J. Mass is just really good at writing action-y parts of her book. You know, those are always some of my favorite parts. The Viper Queen sends her bodyguards to help, and then the wolves show up. Bryce pushes one of the wolves into the shelter, and the door closes, basically leaving her outside of it. 
At the summit, they learn that the Asteri are sending help into the city. Bryce is left outside the shelter, not sure what to do, so she calls Sandriel um, on the phone and she says, please give your phone to Hunt. She tells him to tell her mom that she loves her, to tell Randall that he's the only father that's ever mattered to her, to tell Juniper and Fury that she loves her, and to thank Juniper for helping her the night on the roof. Basically, Bryce had almost killed herself by jumping off a roof, and Juniper was there to stop it. Um, She tells Ruin that she forgives him and tells Hunt um, that she waited for him. Um, and then points to her chest. She says she forgives him for everything and then runs for the gate. Look, I was crying again, like a lot. I, you know, I, not as much as when I read Nesta's book, but still a lot. I didn't cry when I read Akatar though, like the actual Akatar series. Did not cry reading that, so I don't know. Is this like gonna be a thing you're gonna keep doing, Sarah? is it? (laughs) Bryce approaches the gate and says, I am Bryce Quinlan, heir to the Starborn Fae. Then there is a flashback to her and Danica the day that they were getting shot at, Um, and basically she uses her sort of light powers to save them. Her and her parents had hidden it for years, and um, yeah, she felt like it meant nothing to her, but she knew how much it meant to ruin Then she basically uses her powers and orders the gate to close. Bryce seals the gate closed. The Autumn King calls Bryce's mom and is mad. And he's like, how could you not tell me that she had the power? And her mom basically is like, fuck you. Sandriel calls um, the Asteri and tells them that um, Bryce has these powers and that she is the horn. Bryce is the only one that can wield the horn because of her starborn line or something like that. That is why Danica um, did this. That's why she put the horn in Bryce. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, basically, we also learn that because Bryce has the horn and these powers, it means that she could open any portal that she wants. Um, so, like, we're definitely getting a crossover, right? come on, she can't do this to me and not give us a crossover. (laughs) The Asteri are going to kill her, though, because she threatens their authority. Hypraxia basically uses her magic to get rid of um, this halo that is on uh, Hunt's brow. It enslaves him. Um, So she frees him and his powers, and when she does this, uh, he basically kills uh, Sandriel, so that's good. They have a helicopter and they're going to take it and it's going to take them 30 minutes to get into the city. Hunt asks Fury um, if she knew about the night on the roof and she says yes. And then basically uh, she says Hunt brought her, like brought Bryce back to life. Sarah J. Mass loves a good like romance saves the day kind of thing. I don't know. I mean... Nesta's story was more than that, but I also think that, you know, Cassian was, like, way too involved in Nesta's, like, healing journey. I don't think that's actually a good dynamic for you and your partner to be, like, your partner is basically your therapist, right? 
not great. But Nesta's story is more than just about that. Her story is one about friendship and about love and about healing through like sisterhood and, you know, just wanting to do better and doing better. So this feels a little bit like a reverse, like a, a reduced version of it to me, which feels a little bit icky, but I'm going to let it go. I suppose for some people, love does help with those kinds of wounds and for others, they don't. Um, that's clearly not the core of Bryce's story though, so anyway, I don't know. The Asteri Guard is sending in tanks and missile launchers to blast the city to dust in order to deal with the demon um, and the threat that Bryce imposes on them. Basically, these brimstone missiles are like magic missiles. And, uh, Bryce survives a missile attack, but she's trapped, so Hunt jumps out of a helicopter and throws himself over her. This book is ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous, right? Like, we, we can all, we're all adults here, right? We can admit that's crazy. <laughs> Everything is pretty bleak. Hunt is going to die because um, his injuries. Like I guess the missiles like stop him from being able to heal himself or something magic-y like that. Bryce is going to make the drop now, basically, so that um, her power and her magic will like spread through all of the gates. It will light everything up and send all of the demons away. She tells Hunt she loves him. Then she hears Danica from the Bone Quarter telling Bryce to light it up. Bryce makes the drop. Her powers were supposed to be pretty low level, but um, on the gate there is a plaque that says, uh, the power shall always belong to those who, um, who, I don't know, uh, mistypes. Um, basically, just if you put your life down for the city, then you get this power. Um, the plaque is a blessing, and the power of the gate is given by every soul who has handed over their powers. So Bryce will get those powers. They all watch as her powers raise and raise and raise. She surpasses runes, and then she surpasses her father's. The king says that she's not going to be able to make the ascent back into her mortal body, though. And of course, we know that that's not going to happen. While she is at the bottom, she talks to Danica, and this part made me cry as well. Like, fuck. It's just a lot. Like, death is just the most bullshit thing ever. I'm sorry. It's just, I, it just sucks. And reading this was just, like, it just sucks to lose people you care about. I, I don't know. Anyways, Danica tells Bryce a bunch of things and then she tells her that Hunt was healed from her light and everyone else was healed as well, of course. <laughs> Let me tell you, I hope that Danica doesn't come back to life in future books. I, I know that sounds horrible. I like her character, but I just think too many people come back to life in Sarah J. Mass's books. It would just be nice if one of them just stayed dead you know, for good. I, I, it has to be said, I'm sorry. <laughs> Danica's the one I pick. <laughs> Especially after this big moment, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. It should just, you can't build me up like this and have Bryce get all of this closure for Danica's death and then bring her back later. 
Anyways, Bryce runs and runs and runs, and Hunt is doing CPR on her, and his lightning is trying to jumpstart her heart, and I'm like, this is a bit much. (laughs) He says, I heard what you said, and you waited to admit that until I was almost dead, you fucking coward, now come back and say it to my face. Obviously, she makes it back alive, and they go back to their apartment. Bryce basically now has a tattoo that is a star between her breasts, and Bryce and Hunt are going to have sex, but then her mom calls. Obviously, they gotta talk to mom, and then one of the Asteri calls Bryce. He basically frees Hunt as a sign of quote-unquote gratitude, then's basically like, you don't ever use the horn and you don't ever use your powers and you guys get to live your life in peace together. Rune and Bryce are reunited. They hug, all happy sibling shit. Then they all go back to work with all of the shit that they need to start doing for the city. Bryce looks across the bone quarter and as a gift from the underking, uh, he lets her see the pack and Connor's there waving at her. Then Bryce goes home and it fades to black which is very weird. We don't get a sex scene. We get a weird fingering scene, but no sex. <laughs> and I honestly, I don't really care. I, I'm not here for the smut most of the time in a Sarah J. Mass book. It doesn't do it for me. So I don't really care. I kind of liked that this was a little slow burn book for me. I'm a slow burn girly. So here we are. In the epilogue, Jessaba is talking to Adeus and he says that Bryce has, um, the light of someone else's. I can't, I didn't write down the person's name, but there is another character, so uh, she has that light, and it's different from Ruins. He says that he thinks Hunt's father would be proud of him. Jessica says that she has moved the library, and then she tells Adeus to not fuck them over this time, and he said he, do- he doesn't plan on it because things are about to get interesting, so... I think that means we're going to be seeing more of a dais, and that makes me very happy. I'm very excited. So yeah, that's the end of the book. I'm not going to lie. I really didn't feel good after reading this. I don't know why. It just left me feeling not good. It left me feeling a little depressed. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like how I felt when I was done reading this book. Final thoughts. I took some time to decompress and you know, figure out more of, like, what I actually thought about this book after finishing it. Like I said, it didn't make me feel good. It made me feel kind of depressed. I I don't think that's reflective of the book as a whole or about how whether I liked the book or not. This book was too long. It was longer than it needed to be, and it had pacing issues. The characters are okay. I like Bryce. She grew on me, and I... I... I you know, when we recorded the first episode on this, I was basically linking, like, she didn't have much of a character arc at all. She was just very flat, and then we did see some character arc from her, and I, you know, I think that it got better. Her and Hunt are okay. They honestly, I don't know, they don't have as much chemistry as other Sarah J. Mass um, couples, I did find Hunt to be very toxic and overbearing at times. You know, Hunt trying to buy the synth was stupid. It was just a stupid writing choice. I think she could have executed that a lot better. 
I will say that I found the end of this book to be really, really exciting, and I thought it was well done. So overall, I'm on the fence about this book. There are some things I enjoyed, some things I didn't. I'm interested to see what will happen in the next book. And yeah, that's all I've got for you guys on this. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, or feelings, you can message me on either Instagram or you can um, send an email to cauldroncakesandwine at gmail.com. You can find all of our social media linked on our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com, because we are a Cauldron Cakes and Wine podcast. I hope that you guys have a wonderful day, afternoon, or evening whenever you're listening to this. I am just so happy that you are here, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye!